0: What is happening, everybody? Welcome to Mean Age Daydream. I am, of course, Brian McWilliams, the one and the only, and I'm joined today by a buddy of mine. He is a an attorney, practicing attorney. He is a writer for Breitbart.com, and he is a recording artist, Patriot J. Welcome to the Mean Age Daydream, my friend. What up, Brian? Thank you for having me. Of course, and it was great seeing you guys the other night over at uh, Adam Choice Comedy Show. We rolled out there. Chrissy Mayer was up there uh, slaying it, and good catching up with you guys. Um, and you know what? A perfect segue from talking about comedy to uh, the first topic today, because I wanted to have you on. Primarily, we were talking about the Scott Adams thing, and anyway, I'm going to get uh, to that, right? Okay, that, okay. We got to break that down, but I don't know if you saw that Woody Harrelson had a monologue on SNL that's getting some attention from the weekend.
1: Yeah, the anti-vax monologue.
0: Yeah, man, here, let me play it real quick in case people didn't hear it. I got it queued up for us so uh, we could give them a little taste of the uh, most pertinent part because it's just, like, amazing watching the reactions from some of these people on the left. All right, so here we go. Here is the video. Let me play it real quick.
1: Hey, so the movie goes like this. The biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes and people can only come out if they take the cartels' drugs and keep taking them over and over. I threw the script away. I mean, who is going to believe that crazy idea? All right,
0: so there you go. Right. There you have it. What did you catch it live? I mean, I, I don't watch SNL anymore. I doubt you do.
1: Nah, I, I didn't watch it live, but uh so they uploaded the full monologue on Twitter and I watched it and I, I saw people were outraged, so I said, Okay, let me watch it. And I feel like it was um there was like a really long lead up because yeah. he was like referencing standing in Central Park and I didn't really catch where he was going. And then I heard the last part and I said, "Oh, okay, I get it." But I had to just watch that last part by itself to fully understand it. But it was pre- it was pretty yeah. good. I like anything yeah. that pisses off the the vaccinators, so
0: Oh, totally, man. Well, it's like, it was interesting. This came at a perfect time because obviously, you know, we all live in LA and we're surrounded by leftists. You know, we're surrounded by these people that are, you know, entertainment industry leftists, which are some of the worst, you know, they had, they had the COVID measures in place. I think they still do on a lot of film sets. And like, I know, uh, like advertising industry sets they're shooting on, they still all masked up, even though we know it doesn't do anything, but seeing these people who are just like defending. So I was just having this big back and forth with my lefty friends about Saturday Night Live and they're saying how funny it is. Oh, it's so great. And I'm like, you guys are on crack. There's no <laughs> way. The <This> shows <laughs> terrible. It's been terrible for 20 years. It's just you know garbage. And then, you know, to have Woody Harrelson come out there and just, you know, put their dicks in the dirt with the, uh, with the vaccination stuff was funny, but I don't yeah, know. I, you I thought it was the-
1: great. Well, I just oh, I thought ahead, it was great because the entire the entire week they were like, "Yeah, Woody Harrelson, Five Timers Club." Like, I guess it was some yeah. sort. It was his fifth time hosting, and he's going to. There back won't be and a six.
0: Bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, no six for you, Woody. <laughs> um, you know, what cracked me up too. Was seeing people they ran these mental gymnastics around how the monologue like, basically to not give him any credit for dropping that at the end, and I thought the context of it, you know, putting it in like you would never believe this script if it was written. Right. Like, it's so it's so movie villain-esque. It's, like, almost too cliche to believe in the context. Yeah. But all these people I saw, you know, King I was talking to, they were like, oh, the monologue wasn't that good. It was rambling and all over. Like, they're trying to dismiss it as though he's just being goofy. He doesn't even know what he's talking about because it's so out of balance for them to think about it. Right. So, yeah. We'll see. I... I'm curious to see if this goes a step farther. Like, where are you as far as, are you white-pilled or black-pilled on where we're at with COVID? Do you think people are waking uh, up or do you think there's some reach
1: am I'm, I'm white-pilled right now. I feel like uh, like the peak lockdowns, especially in California, it was so bad that it forced a lot of people to wake up. So I think people are now kind of, generally aware that the government isn't always there to do good. So I think that's better. Um, Having gone through that and having woken up thousands or maybe millions of people, I think we're in a better place now than where we were before COVID. Um, Because going into COVID, looking at everybody they just blindly accepted everything it was a, it was a bit depressing for me i thought that yeah. was going to be the end i was like all right fuck it new world order this is here this is how we go down but then i started to, i started to see people push back so that gave me a bit of hope for the future
0: yeah and i mean it seems like and, and one thing too we'll talk about uh, we'll finish up with the scott adams stuff is uh, we'll get into it in a minute to like this new uh, us department of energy basically saying, yeah, we, you know, tentatively agree with uh, the lab leak theory for COVID and how Fauci covered it up. But there seems to be a slow drip drip, dripping of truth coming out of people being won over, not just, as you said, by the lockdowns and the effect it had, but now looking at, you know, the masks don't work. These studies coming out saying explicitly, we did this for nothing. You know, the damage we're seeing now with kids, the excess death rates, the uh, myocarditis in kids that has gone up, you know, it's, four times or actually I think it's like 25 times What it usually is that is I think getting through to people and now when you see someone like this with Woody Harrelson talking about it like basically I think the fact that he's got the balls to bring it up on SNL right and be like I'm you know I'm just gonna say it and you know come after me try to cancel me if you will but having the balls to say it you just didn't see before
1: yeah yeah exactly it's it's Almost to where the point where it's like, it's okay to criticize the vax hysteria. And then even, even I guess, normies who are vaxed, they're still like, well, it's 2023 now. COVID was three years ago. Do we really need mandates? Do we really need lockdowns? I'm vaccinated. Who cares if they're not?
0: Right. Yeah. By the way, do you think Gavin Newsom is going to allow the Emergencies Act uh, and for California, the emergency pandemic, whatever it's called, to expire? Because it's supposed to expire at the end of the month.
1: Oh, um, no. No, no, he's definitely going to he's, pro- he's probably he's probably going to kick it over until he's out of office and running for president.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, Biden extended the uh what was it, like three months, his pandemic response. Bunch of yeah. shit. Unbelievable. Well, anyway, all right. So let's talk a little bit then. Let's pivot over to talk about the the news that came out about the uh, U.S. Energy Department, which I, I was confused why the U.S. Energy Department is reviewing the COVID lab right. leak. <laughs> Why? <Right. laughs> Don't you people have better things to do? Like, you know, our failing power grids or trying to, uh, you know, trying to figure out ways to to get us off fossil fuels, which is you know, never going to happen. Um, but it was, I mean, it's interesting to see now because you had the FBI say, okay, we think that the lab leak theory is the most probable. I guess the energy departments, after reading the documents or the report that came out, they said with low confidence. But what's right. your feeling on that? Are they just saying that because they have to say low confidence to you know kind of be politically you know wishy washy so that they don't get? I slapped? think they're
1: just saying it to say that. I feel like they know that that's true, but they're not going to put it out there as this is a hundred percent proven. So they got to add low confidence, but that's still their conclusion. So that's that means something in itself.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see if you're going to see a cascade of other other agencies that are reviewing it and come out on the side of this thing. I mean, it's it honestly it <laughs> it almost reminds me of the Mueller report a little bit in that, you know, you expect this re- report to come out and vindicate the people that said the lab right. theory was insane. And then it's like,
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's also crazy because, like, immediately after COVID hit, people were saying this leak from a lab. Here we are three years later. Now we have somewhat confirmation. And it's just yeah. proof that the truth is uh, a right wing conspiracy theory before it becomes the truth.
0: Yeah, I know, dude. Exactly. It's so funny. I mean, there's, you know, even around the, uh, the, the, was it Marvin Hamlin, DeMar Hamlin, when DeMar Hamlin mm-hmm. collapsed on the field for the Bills and immediately, you know, people probably like you and I are like, you know, this kind of looks like uh, Maya <laughs> here. Right. And, and people were like, that's crazy. And then you see like, you know, the conspiracy theories since 2019 or, you know, 52 and zero would <laughs> be <being> accurate. Right. <laughs> and and yeah, right, I, on,
1: on the DeMar Hamlin thing, I don't know if you saw, he did like his interview with Michael Strahan afterwards. Yeah. And Michael asked him like, hey, so, what actually happened to you? And he was like, I don't want to talk about that.
0: <laughs> That's like, I, I would have been funny. I'm going through a tunnel, Mike. I can't, I uh, can't hear you. you know, <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. It. You're breaking like,
0: up. <laughs> I'm sitting right across from you. I can't hear you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, man, it's like the, the censorship around the lab, leak there, because Fauci, obviously, we have the email record of him and the other guy who's working with with you know this Eco Alliance project that was working with Wuhan Labs, s- specifically telling them to try to tamp down the lab leak theory. And now it's being confirmed. And it's like, how many people got deplatformed for this? Because we know that was right. something on social media that was being censored, too.
1: Yep. People lost their livelihoods because they were speaking out for the truth. And now, three years later, it's just like, I told you so.
0: Yeah, exactly, man. We know I saw this. I,
1: I just think about all the time we lost in between now and then, like if we knew three years ago that uh the lab league theory was credible, we could have taken action on it, maybe sanctioned China or something, but now yeah. here we are three years later with our hands in our pants, not doing anything.
0: Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I was looking at some guy. There's some guy that just declared he's running for president and he's on the right wing side, he's like an Indian guy. That uh at Vivic, let's look at
1: Vivek. Vivek. Vivek Ramaswamy, yep.
0: Yes, thank you. I, I saw he had posted about, you know, how now that we have this, we should go after China. And he was, and it was an odd thing because he was saying we should leverage our debt to go after him. And I'm like, what? I, I mm. mean, the only way you could leverage the U.S. debt, and this is what Gene Epstein pointed out, would be by threatening to default on the debt, which doesn't seem like it'd be a good <laughs> thing for us. You know, I, I don't know Right. Like, how are you going to strong? I mean, you could try to sue them, uh, I guess, and try to reclaim something. But I just don't see how that's really going to come about, you know.
1: Yeah, I don't either. Um, I've seen little bits of stuff from Vivek's campaign, and it seems promising. What I don't like is that people are saying, like, he's like Trump without the controversy. But the mm-hmm. controversy is what makes Trump like Trump's fun right. because he's Trump. I don't want Trump light. I want Trump.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, have you been looking? Probably, I'm sure you have been. But about, you know, Trump seems to be just on a he's trying to kill DeSantis off, you know, before he even runs like yes. he's just all the time attacking DeSantis, man. I mean, what do you think it's about that?
1: crazy. I don't I don't know, man. Like so a lot of the I guess there's like Trump supporters who used to be Trump supporters and now they're leaning towards Ron. They're like, yeah, Trump's pissing me off, but I mean, I guess it makes sense from a strategic standpoint cuz DeSantis has consistently polled as the number two to Trump. So you're going to want to talk shit about the next guy who's And then if it's not DeSantis, who else is going to beat him? Fucking Nikki Haley, Vivek, like these people don't stand real chances. So it's smart that he's going after his only competition. I just think it's a little bit too premature since he hasn't even announced he's running. I don't know if he'll even announce that he'll (laughs) run. It just, it seems so forced. Everybody's talking about DeSantis 24 and DeSantis, meanwhile, is just not speaking on it. And I'm sure that's good for him too, but I think, um, I, I feel like he would be better suited as governor and I feel like he enjoys that position. I don't know if he's ready to give that up yet because he's one of the most beloved governors in the country. Like you can, you can easily let Trump take the next four years. And then come after Trump and say DeSantis twenty twenty eight and he would have it in a landslide.
0: I see. That's what I always think about. It's kind of reminds me of when college football players, you know, like y'all have the quarterback and he wins the title. And then he's like, I want to, I want to stay at school. I'm not done banging cheerleaders. And then he tears his ACL. Right. And now it's like, Oh, now you're a fifth round pick. So that's what I'm wondering with DeSantis. Right, huh? If he's like, if he's like, man, the iron is hot right now coming off. Like if he waits, yeah he might not have that, that shot again. Cause I mean, so much could That's happen true. in six That's years, true. you know? So yeah. it's just like, it's so unpredictable. We could be in world war three, uh, you know, right. By then. right.
1: I just, <laughs> so it, it, curious, it's Trump so. versus DeSantis in a primary. I don't think DeSantis beats Donald Trump. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't
0: know if he has enough. Like, there are so many people that are still really, really big Trump supporters. I don't know either. And the problem is, you know, it's like all. It would be an ugly battle. You know, like it, it yeah. would be a damaging battle. It would be entertaining as hell. Don't get me wrong; I mean, it would be really right, fun to watch. Because right. DeSantis is pretty quick, and Trump's pretty quick. But yeah, I don't know, man. I I, I kind of side with you. I don't think DeSantis is going to run. But to his credit, I do think it's smart that he's not saying anything because Trump is right. keeping him in the news cycle anyway.
1: He doesn't have to say anything. Right. And that only gives him more uh, tension. And I know he was, DeSantis is on a book tour right now. And he said he's going to make a decision about 2024 after Florida's legislative session, which is from like March to May. So Mm -hmm. they've got like, I think a super majority Republican legislature. So he's just going to go stack up those wins this legislative season. And then he might take them and go on a primary, but I don't know. I just feel like Trump's, uh, Trump's allure attracts more people than DeSantis. DeSantis is kind of like the old school GOP, you know, like Reagan, Bush era, like those people love him. But Trump gets the crossover voters. Trump gets the people who want to see the establishment burn. I don't think DeSantis has that draw.
0: No, that's a good point. I just worry that, you know, after the midterms where Trump's people like in, in contested regions didn't do well. And I'm just wondering if people like, you know, he lost to Joe Biden and who knows, you know, mail-in voting and all that stuff, but he lost to Joe Biden. Yeah, right. And I just, I just wonder if he's turned so many people off now that it would be harder for him to run and and that somebody else would do better against Biden or, you know, presuming somebody, I don't think vote Joe Biden's going to be up there, but whoever the Democrats decide to run, I just don't know now if he's crossed the Rubicon into like, we just will vote for anybody but Trump. That's my concern going up against, right. you know. The evil of the progressives.
1: That's true. That's true. Because it was mostly for Biden. He's not Trump. Yeah. Right. I mean, that was the only thing. He didn't even campaign. The guy sat in his basement, you know, <laughs> right.
0: doddering doofus. You've got Kamala out there, you know, cackling like a maniac and just making no right. sense. And they still won. So, I mean, unless he's got some really dynamic pairing, you know, with a VP that's just a fire brand and, you know, maybe can help even that out. But I don't know who that'd be right now. I mean, Rand Paul right. trying to get the Libertarians on board. You know, Trump and Rand <laughs> became fairly close. So.
1: Right, right.
0: Yeah. But anyway, by the way, I'll show here. We'll transition. I'll bring one, one thing about DeSantis, because I was shocked how dishonest the mainstream media was. And I think it was an NBC story. Um, and uh, I think it was Andrew Mitchell asking Kamala Harris her thoughts on DeSantis saying that you couldn't teach slavery in Florida schools. Did you hear about this? This ridiculous. I didn't uh, (laughs) hear.
1: I've heard that there's some sort of controversy with DeSantis and black schooling, but I don't know exactly what's going on.
0: So I'll, I'll fill you in. Basically what happened is that there was an AP class that was like AP black history or something like that. And I, I actually did it. I read through some of the, uh, the things I can't remember if it was on my bonus show or on this main show, but to recap some of the points, DeSantis has said, look, I'm not going to let like CRT and this like Marxist ideology come in masquerading as black history. And that's really what it was. Cause you look through all these sightings and it was like Marxist texts, uh, you know, so like you know, uber feminist text uber um okay right yeah just like you know and and again sixteen, nineteen project stuff yeah so it was really crt masquerading (laughs) as history and then after he said look we're not going to do it the ap actually went back and they redid the course so i mean you know Hmm. if it was something where they they really believed that what they were teaching was honest to god black history as it should be taught right then you yeah, he was like, okay, we'll fall on this sword, man. We're not going to change the course because of you, but they backed off.
1: Yeah, dude. I think that reminds me in college. Uh, it was my first semester in college. I took in Africana studies, English course, but looking back at it, it was essentially CRT. And I feel like they tried yeah. to implement this into the black teachings because people aren't going to question it. People don't have the balls like DeSantis did to say, hey, I don't care if you call it African-American history. That's not black history. And Mm -hmm. so in that CRT light course, we were taught to pretty much hate America. There was like we were reading like feminist works, bell hooks, Mm -hmm. and it was all about taking down the white supremacist, capitalist, patriarchal society that is America. And, And looking back at it, that doesn't have shit to do with black people we didn't no. we didn't study all <laughs> black authors we studied the the black revolutionaries and the black communists but it's it's clearly uh they're just using black people to kind of scapegoat their ideology into the school system
0: yeah exactly man all right well let's let's hit on uh, scott adams now i'm tempted but i was just thinking i took a, a class it was like <clears throat> I'm trying to think exactly the name of the class of the penn state but it was a class about either black Culture or hey, something regarding black culture, and I remember the teacher asked us to write a rap, and of course I'm just like a white guy in a fraternity, so I did a rap about of my white <laughs> fraternity lifestyle, and uh, we had we had black people in the fraternity, but but I am white. And uh, it was called Independence is <laughs> Bitches. And I'm uh, very proud to this day. Fantastic. Got a D on it. She gave me a D.
1: That's Ah, oh, that's <laughs>
0: bullshit. Dude, I, I, I swear to God, I thought I had it downloaded somewhere. I was like, should I play it? Nah. i will try to find it. Maybe, maybe I'll play it. Maybe I'll send it to you uh, offline. Nice. So, okay. I've got Scott Adams queued up here. So we can listen. It's it's going to be about two, almost three minutes a clip. So just to let you guys know, but I think it's important that we listen to the whole thing through and then talk about yeah, it so definitely. people know exactly what he said. So we're not you know misrepresenting him because uh, you know <laughs> I don't agree with what he said, but I'm going to try to steel man it as much as I can to try to understand his point, and then we can kind of yeah we can go back and forth. So here's Scott Adams, and uh, here is what he had to say.
2: So if, if you know nearly half of all blacks uh, are not OK with white people, according to this poll, not according to me, according to this poll, uh, that's a hate group. That's a hate group. And I don't want to have anything to do with them. And I would say, you know, based on the current way things are going, the best advice I would give to white people is to get the hell away from black people. Just get the fuck away. Wherever you have to go, just get away, because there's no fixing this. This can't be fixed, All right? This can't be fixed. You just have to escape. So that's what I did. I went to a neighborhood where you know I have a very low black population, because unfortunately, you know there's a high correlation between the density. And this is according to Don Lemon, by the way. Um, so here I'm just quoting Don Lemon. When, when he notes that the when he lived in a uh, mostly black neighborhood, there were a bunch of problems that he didn't see in white neighborhoods. So even Don Lemon sees a big difference in your own quality of living based on where you live and who's there. So I, I think it makes Oops, sorry.
0: <laughs> Wait a minute. That was where I adjusted it's my earbud and stop
2: As a uh, white citizen of America, to try to help black citizens anymore, it doesn't make sense. It's no longer a rational impulse, and so I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna back off from being helpful to black America because it doesn't seem like it pays off. Like I've been doing it all my life, and I've been the only outcome is I, be, I get called a racist. That's the only outcome. <laughs> it makes no sense to help black Americans. If you're white, uh, the, the it's over. Don't, don't even think it's worth trying. Totally not trying.
0: All right. So we can, we can, uh, <clears throat> we can cut it there. Yeah. There's a little bit more, but I'll, I'm just going to cut off. So he, well, let's see Wait, your initial thoughts. <laughs> <After hearing>
1: <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I, can't, I can't help but laugh at that. Cause it's like, it's just funny. The idea of Scott Adams telling white people to get the hell away from black right. people. It just, it's, it's good shit. But like um, on a more serious point, like like I, I kind of understand the point he was making to me. It seems like, like I'll, I'll just put it this way. If I saw a poll that said like a little less than half of white people didn't think it was okay for black people to be black people. I might say, Hey, black people it might not be best to hang around those white people. So like, I get it. But the fact that he said it out loud is just crazy especially in today's climate. Uh, But he did like an hour and a half stream the day after with Hotep Jesus. And he kind of like context a lot of the things. And it sounds like, he wanted to get canceled. He said this was kind of like his final act, like he's basically retired now. And he just really wanted to have the conversation about race relations, which I think is good. If these are conversations that we need to have without fear of being called racist. So kudos to Scott Adams for risking his livelihood for free speech. But like, what the fuck? I still can't believe he said yep. it.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, and, and obviously Dilbert has been canceled in every single newspaper in the country. He had lost a lot of a lot of subscriptions earlier for other comments, but now it's fully, fully gone. Um, but yeah, man, I, like you said, there's, there's something here where it's like, you know, I understand that thinking if you're saying, okay, like he, you know, he's saying it's a hate group, right? If you're, if, <laughs> right. you know, 40, 48%, okay. That's a hate group. Cause they, they don't think it's okay. But I mean, that is. He's got a point in that if you don't think it's okay to be a skin color, well, that's ridiculous. It's an, it's insanity to say that, you know, you're not permissible to have this as a group. I think where, you know, I, I can get where he says, you know, maybe you, you don't want to hang around with those people if they distinctly hate you. But I think where it breaks down for me so often is that we're, we're just using this as like a monolithic representation of all black people now. And right. how do you know who's hates you? And how do you know who doesn't hate you? And how is it right. going to help anything to simply divide and cut that off? I mean, if anything you'd think if you did, if, if white flight now becomes a thing again, like it used to be, then it's just going to piss more people off. And now you're going to see that ratio go even higher of black people that don't have a fond opinion of white people because you've now taken it to them. And <laughs> it seems like inevitably, if this is the tack that it's going to lead to to full out race war. <laughs>
1: Right. That's a that's a great point. And, um, you know, I I think it is the wrong message to tell people to flee because, um, you know, racial tensions are here. And I feel like personally, one of the most effective ways we can relieve these tensions is just by holding conversations with each other. So a lot of the times, like white people in the South, they might be bigoted just cause they don't know any fucking black people. And they just see like a caricature that the media portrays. And it's the same with black people. Now, you know, mm-hmm. there are black people who are just around black people. They don't have many white friends. They're not exposed to the culture. So they just think it's foreign. And then with like the CRT and everything that's enforced through the media in school, of course they kind of look at white people with the side eye. They might say, ah, that's, that's a little weird that you're white. But I think, um, it just comes down to educating one another and talking and having these discussions. I do think we can coexist peacefully. It's just going to take some hard work and tough decisions, tough discussions. Well, what's
0: yeah? I mean, that's what's amazing, right? Is that you know? So growing up, I'm I'm obviously a lot older than you are. I'm 43, and when I was coming up in school, you know, you have uh, everything emphasized on ignore skin color. You know, very MLK, view people as who they are. And that was the whole thing. Be colorblind, right? It's like that great song by En Vogue. Be colorblind, don't be so shallow. <laughs> great song. So that was what I grew up with. And that's why, you know, contextually I've lived my life. And now, you know, you have these polls showing that race relations have gotten distinctly worse. I mean, much worse ever since this this massive statewide or nationwide focus on race and quote-unquote equity and healing and all this other stuff, but all it's done is made more divisions, made people hate each other more and be more skeptical and suspicious because, like you are talking about, the education aspect of it is fully focused on telling people just how badly, you know, white people have done this and that and how, you know, white people are to blame for everything and, you know, even through to, like, some of these, like, there's a show called Proud Family. Have you heard of Proud Family Mm -hmm. on Disney? I mean... I mean, my God, I saw the clips from that show. There's a, you know, a, a whole thing just talking about how white people are colonizers. Like, this is a show for children, just teaching them to right. hit white people right off the bat. You know, it's like, of course, things are going to get worse. So this is why you have polls like this that are coming out where now it's not okay to be white.
1: Yeah, dude, it's ridiculous. And the proud family situation is nuts because uh, I used to watch that show like when I was a kid and then they just came out with this reboot. And it's Mm -hmm. just so agenda driven. And it just feels like the perfect encapsulation of media today. They want to always include a gay person. They want to include Mm -hmm. some anti-white haters in there. It's all black and proud. And it's just like, that's that. I feel like that's not what the world looks like. A lot of people, if you go outside, they don't hate each other, but they want to force these narratives. That way we can start to feel like, you know, maybe... Maybe I shouldn't think it's okay for this guy to be white. Or maybe he hates me just because I'm black.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know what? And there's also, you know, kind of circling back. Something I was thinking about, too, is, you know, you had this whole thing with, um, you know, these whites. Yeah, not just say all white, but there's people that do believe in self-segregation of races right if you like you know richard what's his face who was going you know he's like well white people should live with white people kind of like scott i'm saying go you know, find your neighborhood yeah <clears throat> and one thing people don't want to acknowledge is that there is going to be unless you unless you're grown up with every different color around you you there is going to be some uncomfortableness for people if they have grown up in a predominantly white black asian neighborhood just because you are more comfortable You know, it's like an inborn thing from back back in the tribal days, you know, with people that look like you, you just are. And unless you're trained to, you know, to think differently or have that constantly, uh, you know, shaken up. And that's my problem now is that, you know, talking about this, you know, segregating, going to different neighborhoods, you're literally going to teach these people to continuously be uncomfortable. And I think as a culture, we now have gotten to the point where we're not only, you know, Uncomfortable because, yes, we are kind of separating um, because of these ideological battlegrounds that we're having. But also, I think because the focus on race has become so much more difficult that now when you see somebody of a different race – you're automatically awkward and on eggshells because you don't want to offend them or you're worried that they're like, as a white man, I'm like, all right, is every black guy going to hate me when I go up and talk to him? you know, like, Do I, I have to be <laughs> right. extra, I have to be extra friendly, you know, which is probably comes across as creepy, you know, and black guys probably like, why is this white guy being so friendly and weird to me? And it's like that kind of thing. It's like, it just kind of snowballs from everything that's going right. on. I think.
1: Yeah. People are, people are worrying about things that they shouldn't because we're all humans at the end of the day, you know? And I think um, I just, I, I fought the media for a lot of this because they're the ones pushing these narratives. They're pushing division. And like what, my, my biggest issue with like black lives matter is that, okay, if you really want to tackle the issue of police brutality, why would you make it all about black people? Like this happens to white people too. If you really wanted to get rid of that problem, and not just intentionally stoke racial divisions, wouldn't it make sense for you to gather as much people behind you and say, and, and not call your organization Black Lives Matter, or maybe right. like police brutality sucks dick, some, something like that, you know, and <laughs> it's, it's just, I, and I know that it was intentional on them, on their part when they created that, and they don't really want to solve the issue, they don't want to mm-hmm. see white people and black people get along, they just want more hate. Because they get more hate, they get more dollars, their influence grows bigger, and Americans are left hating each other.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the the intent of the media on creating divisive topics is something that I've thought a lot about. And I mean, for me, I think it's a tactical I think it's tactical on, you know, from the powers that be on down personally, because when you've got so many topics, climate change, race, uh, you know, even the war in Ukraine, Trump, you know, all these things are designed to destroy, to tear apart foundational relationships, to give people nothing to have in common. I mean, you think about that. If people have nothing in common to talk about. Well, now they don't have any any way to to cross check truth. Right. They don't have any way to cross check yeah. their reality. And have somebody be like, dude, you're off your meds thinking that the world is this way, that it is so full of hate. And to your point, that's the beautiful thing for the government, right? For the media, because the narratives they put out there are now the dominant narrative automatically because everybody is so splintered into their own little little tiny worlds.
1: Yeah. Polarization, man. We got to do something about it.
0: Amen. Well, is there anything else you wanted to talk about today? Anything on top of your mind?
1: Um. Uh... No, nah, I don't think there's anything. I feel like, man, like working in politics, like writing every day for Breitbart, it's kind of made me a little bit disillusioned because I'm just like, I'm in it every day. You know, it's like yeah. uh, sometimes I just want to take a break. It, it used to be like politics was like a fun hobby, and now it's my yeah. job. But it's like uh, oh, I'm clocking in man. for work every day. Well, I I got a uh, tip. I don't for know you. If, if I were to leave.
0: Go yeah. Well, I was going to say, I have an easy tip. If you want to, t- if you want to take a break, all you have to do is, uh, is go on a diatribe about how, uh, black people and white people shouldn't get along. You, you'll get canceled from all your newspapers.
1: <laughs> so, true, so true. Here's my message <laughs> to black people. Stay the hell away from white people. <laughs> Scott Adams, that shit. <laughs> they're going to they're clip that. I'm going to be canceled.
0: Ah, I love it. All right. So, yeah,
1: sorry. Then. What were you, you going to say? <laughs> no, I was just going to say, if I had a final party message. Love your neighbor. It's biblical and it's true. You know, we need more love in our lives. People are people are hating. Hating's bad. Hating, hating only hurts your own heart. You know, hating doesn't impact the next person. It only affects you. So if you choose to love, you'll be better off.
0: Yep. Love it, man. So tell everybody where they can find you, where they can hear you, where they can read you all that good stuff.
1: You can find me, I'm most active on Twitter, at SirHottest. You can go to my website, patriotj.com. It has links to all of my music. only have one album out. I'm going to try to put out some more albums this year. I know my Patriot J heads out there are starving. I'm on Instagram. You can read my words in Breitbart News almost every day. Uh, If you need a criminal defense attorney in Los Angeles, give me a call. That's it.
0: All right, man, love it. So, guys, thank you all for listening. Thank you to Patriot Jay. Good seeing you, buddy. We got to make sure to get some drinks real soon, and uh, yes, otherwise, sir. guys, hell yeah, from me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions, of Liberty Network, and for me and Age Daydream, keep those electric eyes on me, babe, and keep that rig under my head.